You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more. Today on our show, I'm talking with Michael Polakowski. Michael, thanks so much for being with me today. Hi, yeah, thanks for having me, and thanks for um, talking about the show. Michael, we're going to talk about the show at 550 Gallery, of course, that just opened on September 9th. Um, it's a two-person show, yourself and Ivan Montoya, but we're going to be talking about your work today. And um, I, I think I'd like to start a little bit with um, your your background and where you grew up, because, you know, while there's paintings here, you, you also make large-scale murals, and, and you were brought up in the Midwest, right? And um, the, the press release frames your work as as um, as being contextualized by by mental health um, and and how and that's so interesting to me how we all perceive things a little bit differently. Can you tell me a little bit about about that what that means? Yeah, like you said, um, my work is is really about um, two things mostly, my exi- my kind of life in the Midwest and the secondary thing being um, my experiences with mental health, um, primarily um, just how I deal with and um, kind of process uh, my experiences with OCD and PTSD. Um, and yeah, my work is kind of centered around that for a while now and I'm kind of becoming more and more comfortable with dealing with, with those themes. Um, Obviously, when I was a little bit younger, they were pretty uh, heavy themes to talk about, and they um, they kind of weighed on me and, and in my work. Uh, and over the years, I've kind of positioned them within my practice as a way of something I can hold and something I can um, I can address uh, with without it weighing on myself personally. Yeah, that's that's so interesting and, and and really brave, right? Because there's a there's a great vulnerability in that. So um, so when you first began addressing that in your work um, as a as a younger artist, how how were you doing that? And and was that in, in murals? Uh, I'd love to know a little bit about like large scale murals you've worked on. But yeah, how was how was that addressed initially for you? Um, I think initially it it came out in a, a series of paintings that I did and large scale paintings at the time for a residency that I did here in Detroit, um, centering around the idea of, of being um, placed in an environment and feeling like you're not um, engaging with that environment and you're not actively um, inhabiting that environment, at least mentally. Um, so there were really large paintings at the time. They were probably five by five feet. Um, and they, they just took an immense amount of time to do. So if you think about the hours that goes into a painting like that big, one of them was five feet by 10. Um, it just takes an immense amount of time. And it's a, it's a lot of time that you're engaging with, with a, a concept that can be, at the end of the day, quite draining. Um, and so at that time, it was the work was qu- quite a bit uh, darker and a little bit heavier. Um, and it just, it was, for me... Um, not where I wanted to exist long term. So I think I my work post that opening and post that residency um, got it quite a bit lighter, you know. Um, and that levity and that lightness allowed me to uh, have some uh, distance with the with the more difficult topics and allowed me to um, continue my work with that with that topic, but in a way that felt more sustainable to myself. 
And what are the more difficult topics when, when you say that? What is, well, then, and, and, and I, of course it relates to now, but what were the more difficult topics then that you were making yeah, these, these large-scale paintings about? Um, yeah, so at the time I was, I was dealing with a, um, I guess, topics of abuse that I had undergone as, and kind of dealt with when I was quite a bit younger. It went on for around 10 years. And, um, and then, and so dealing with that and making those, those concepts my own um, and, and making sure that it was centered as something that I was able to um, kind of get through. And um, I feel like my painting process exists as a, um, as a response to that and as almost as a defense mechanism. So, um, and, and also to that degree, like, you know, painting is something that takes a lot of time and years to develop. Um, and it's almost like a dedication that, you know, you hopefully stick with for a lifetime. So um, that those experiences and the, and the, like, I guess the strength of those experiences is what kind of has allowed me to dedicate my life to painting and, and allowed me to stick with the work and believe in it um, as something that I'm going to kind of continue doing for the rest of my life. And that's, that's, that's so powerful to hear, you know, dealing with topics like that, issues like that, um, painful experiences, especially ongoing abuse, uh, I would think that's not only difficult to do and put you in a position of vulnerability, but then, of course, when you're exhibiting these, um, that's, that's another layer, right? It's one thing making them in your studio, but then exhibiting them. And and so to, to continue talking about some of that early work that, that we're touching on now in a, in a kind of general way, um, how how was that dialogue with the public? I mean, putting things out there about abuse, about um, other things that are happening internally that are that are you know both traumatic and difficult, but also not easy to talk about, right? Um, how how did the audience deal with that? Were you were you getting um, kind of response on that, or or how were people reacting to that? Uh, well, I think the interesting part for me is I, I actually have a, a non-disclosure agreement around uh, the specifics of, of everything. So there's almost a level of, of space I need to have with the audience and a, a non-specific to the details with everything, um, which is which I, I find at the end of the day kind of makes everything retain um, a selfhood and everything stays my own. Um, but I think it also kind of gives my work this, this added layer of strength because because of that, there's this need to make the things and the themes I'm talking about very universal. Um, so I've had to develop this vernacular and this language that kind of comes through that the, the specifics of, of my life, you know. And, and the murals that you've done, these were, um, I haven't seen them, but these were public murals or are you referring to um, the kind of huge paintings you're making. Oh, so yeah, I did a commission for the Detroit Institute of Arts this last year. Um, that was my largest mural to date. That was around three stories tall and maybe 40, 40 feet wide. Um, and that's an interesting thing because, you know, the, the, the focus of that work is so different. You know, it's, it's based on the community and representing a community and not just your yourself. Um, and I've also done a number of murals here in Detroit and um, a one in Mexico that was a collaborative piece also with Ivan Montoya, who um, is 
my partner for the show. So yeah, murals is something that I think Detroit has a really big tradition of, and Detroit is where I'm located. Um, so I'm, I'm really grateful to be to be able to kind of participate in that. So let's let's talk about that that mural or one of the murals, the one at the Detroit Institute of Art, perhaps. Um, this was um, another like really large mural, right? And and would you say there was a a kind of narrative to it is it um can you tell me a little bit about that because i have images of several of your your murals in front of me but i'm not sure which one it was whether it was the one that was painted over windows as well and the figure in it or um or one that looks like a um kind of uh space person talking to a computer this one was um i it, it was a, a a representation of the neighborhood that it was in. It's in a, uh, a suburb of Detroit called Berkeley. Uh, and it just focuses on this sort of slice of life uh, viewpoint of, of the community. Um, and when, when the, the DIA came to me, um, they had already engaged the community quite a bit. And that's, that's very typical for mural commissions. Um, typically there's, there's quite a bit of back and forth with what the community wants. Um, and, and you have to trust that as an artist, you know? So when I, when I got to the, the month long period of painting that, um, it was cool to be able to see people come by and, and stop by. And a few of them, you know, would drop off coffee in the cold mornings of, you know, Detroit, October. Um, and they would just, you know, thank me for, you know, as, as they could see, like it becoming something that they, that they liked and that they were about to enjoy for, you know, the extent of the time they live there. Um, that was the cool part is it's, it's, it's not about the, um, I guess the, the personhood of the artist. It's about, you know, the collected, uh, identities of everyone who will be, you know, walking by it or driving by it every day. And it, and it is yeah. itself, is a, it's a, um, illustration of, of a morning commute for a number of people. And yeah, that's so interesting because, um, you know, that's how, that's how murals seem to be created, you know, in, in recent times that they're, uh, the dialogue with the community is so important, which is very different than, for example, the paintings in this show, um, that aren't about necessarily a dialogue with the, with the people coming in. So, so just tell me a little bit more about it. It was about a morning commute. So were these figures um, that were known in the community that you're essentially portraying in the in the in the mural at the Detroit Institute of Art? Um, no. So they were um, just. I, I hadn't at the time met anyone specific. I had only coordinated with the Detroit Institute of Arts for the mural, um, and they had communicated um the the desires of the community um so there's a lot of figures in the community that i i tried to be as um non-specific I, I suppose with it but also relying quite a bit on the um the the techniques that i've i've developed in my uh creative process with like i said doing residencies and the the majority of my work in the last few years has been um uh exhibiting uh with with galleries so it was kind of utilizing um, and tapping into what I do in my own painting process and the, um, I guess, the, the sensibilities of, of, you know, taking time and, and trying to ground yourself in your environment and, um, and to go, go at a little bit of a slower pace. Um, and 
to tie it back into the opening, that's what, you know, back in five, or the title of my opening with uh, 550 kind of, uh, kind of uh, references is, is being present in your daily life, even, even if, you know, in between these moments of, of work and um, as you transition towards moments of leisure. So, so I want to talk about, of course, get, get back to the show back in five, um, but to speak a little bit more about this mural in Detroit, which sounds exciting. So there was a, a would you say a narrative in this, in this mural, there was a story or, um, yeah, um, was it? yeah, the narrative for the for the mural was about commuting, um, and it's about that transition point between, um, the, you know, the, the identifying these people as they move from their where they're where they're where they've been and where they're going. Um, so it was, you know, an individual riding a bike and like a an individual. Um, commuting to work with their kid or to drop their, their kid off at school. Um, and I, I really wanted to key in on that moment because um, regardless of, you know, what we all do for a living, we all are, have our home and we have the place where we um, spend our, our time. Um, and I wanted to, to focus in on that moment of, you know, and then that moment of, of commute is for the most part where people will be viewing the mural. It is on the main road in Berkeley um, most people will pass by, and hopefully, it's it's some way uh, illustrating the the context that they're viewing the mural within. You know, it's so interesting how how murals are talked about, and how you're talking about it, and how they interact with the community. Because um, it sounds like research went into that as well, right? The Detroit Institute of Arts is getting feedback from the community about about what they want, which is really interesting and kind of odd in a way, right? Like what, what do they want to see? And um, so was that a sort of collective um, understanding that what they wanted to see and what they were experiencing was uh, something about work in their daily commute? Um, you know, they had, they, it's, it's, it's interesting because when a community says like, this is what we are, um, you have to bring a little bit of yourself to that and you have to try to relate to it. And um, I did grow up in the suburbs of Detroit and Berkeley is also a suburb of Detroit, but I, I didn't really grow up in that community. So I had to uh, find moments and find opportunities to kind of key into um, things that I could relate to, to their experiences and, and to kind of reflect them and what what I thought of them, but through also through the lens of the, the really great work that the uh, the DIA did um, to kind of extract what what it is that the community wanted. So it was a really cool, really great partnership with with the museum and also with the the community of Berkeley. So yeah, that was a really exciting project. That is exciting. And to talk about a, a work in the show now, this is. Um not as large as some of the things we've been talking about, 46 by 36, and it's called Minor Inconvenience, which seems um, an understatement. And, and this, is, this is full of kind of uh, uh, sort of narrative and also, um, you know, to, to me, a certain amount of fear too, right? It's, it's an image that um, hopefully viewers, listeners can see here, but it's of, um, a window being smashed open by a tree falling and, um, and, and everything kind of falling out, including uh, somewhat menacing looking shards of glass uh, and, and a book on the, 
on the windowsill, trout fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'd love to know a little bit more about this because this does feel to me, um, you know, scary, right? In in a way, this is um, this isn't this isn't a painting that that leads you beside still waters. This is something that, you know, for me anyway, elicits the the, the fear of um, of natural disasters among among other things. I mean, I, I could interpret it by what you're saying as something more internal um, as well. But um, yeah, but perhaps I'm reaching there with, with my interpretation a little bit. What do you think about the narrative of that or, or what I'm saying? Well, yeah, I'm glad you keyed into all of that. Um, definitely the title, uh, Minor Inconvenience, is is, is definitely a diminishment of, of what's happening in the piece. Um, and that's, it's almost a purposeful diminishment. Um, I find that as people, we have experiences that we, you know, if, if they don't kill us, they leave us imprinted with like that experience. And this, this piece that illustrates, uh, um, a window being broken and, and objects being thrown about, uh, it isn't going to kill you. It isn't going to, you know, ruin your life, but it is something that you need to react to and to hold space for. Um, and I find that, like, entitling it uh, minor inconvenience, I, I, I think I want to revi- remind the viewers that it isn't something that, you know, it isn't absolutely destructive. But also the second part that you're keying into as well is um, there's almost this climate dread that is running through uh, the whole opening, for myself at least. Um, you know, there's quite a few um, fires that are raging in the background. There's, um, in this scene, you know, a tree limb crashing through uh, through a window. And I, I, that was just, it, it kind of happened as a matter of, like, what I've been thinking about recently is how do we use the, you know, the world around us as a way to decompress um, but also showing, you know, as, as a way to spend our free time, but also acknowledging that, you know, as we, um, as we you know, don't take care of, of our environment, it isn't going to continue to take care of us. Um, so there's a, there's a number of scenes of just, you know, these, these fires and these floods that are, that, and, you know, moving into the next body of work that I'm going to work on, um, all my work is very linear and, um, and nonlinear also. Um, I want my work to feel like there's this this closing in of the, our current way of life and this almost pastoral way of life and, and and this new world that we're kind of moving into and transitioning into. So it's definitely twofold. That's well, and there's also isn't there also the third layer of um, there's there's this idea of the world kind of um, yeah moving towards natural disaster in many ways, but this is also um, something we deal with internally, right? These are, these are fears. We all deal with it in, in different ways, but also uh, the, the kind of interior experience of what it means in, 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 the, in climate change and unpredictability in yeah, a storm where suddenly your windows are smashed. And, um, you know, it strikes me as, as as well as talking about what's happening that we're all also dealing with it in, in in our own personal way, right? By by ignoring it, by justifying it, by working to help it, by you know all kinds of things. So, is there also um, because this kind of elicits this sort of 
you know, in me and I would imagine other viewers, this kind of fear that may or not may or may not be connected to the, you know, for the viewer, climate change and, and what's happening all around us. It's it's also about uh, coping to some degree, isn't it? Or maybe I'm going too far, but I, but I'm just trying to get at the 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 narrative of also the personal fear of of what's happening and how we're we're managing it. Yeah, and I'm glad you you brought up coping because I find that coping is the through line from the work that I'm doing now to the work that I was doing a little bit earlier in my career that focused on my own experience with mental health. And um and also this work kind of um is a is a shift, you know, for me from focusing on the earlier work that was more um my personal experience and now it's taking that that processing of grief and of, of dread and of, of anxiety um, and, and broadening the scope of that to a more um, universal, um, universal experience and also one that has more, um, more use for society as a collective. You know, if, if we can collectively think about how we process uh, dread for the climate and, and, you know, hold space for the fact that the, the world is beginning to burn, it is beginning to flood, it is beginning to get hotter. Um, how do we, um, you know, hold space for that dread while also doing something about it? Um, so hopefully there's something, there's a little bit of hope there. Um, there's, I, like I said, my work really pivots back and forth between being really light and being really heavy. Um, and... You know, there's the, the images in this body of work really just illustrate a, a singular character um, kind of, you know, bumbling along, trying to um, relax, trying to take five. And if in another painting, there's a scene of him breaking a tree limb, and you could assume that that same tree limb is the one that crashes through his own window, you know. So it's, if you're not really conscious about how you choose to spend your time and how you decide to relax, um, you're really only going to make things worse, you know? Yeah, that's, that's so powerful. Thanks for sharing all, all of this with me. Um, of course, viewers can go see the show if they're uh, listening to this before October 8th. And I, I want to ask you one more question before we go, a little off topic. What are you reading at the moment? Um, yeah, I'm rereading um, Trout Fishing in America by Richard Brodigan. Um, really love his uh, nonlinear narratives and his use of, of, of metaphor. And it's just a book that I kind of go back to time and again. So would recommend that to everyone listening. I'm so glad you mentioned that because, of course, that was the book on the windowsill of a painting we were just talking about, Trout Fishing in America. Um, a great book, Richard Brodigan. Uh, Thank you, Michael, for making this beautiful show, talking with me today. I just want to thank you for your time today. Yeah, and thank you. Thank you for having me. You're listening to Yale Radio WYBC. This is Brainerd Carey with the lives of the artists, architects, curators, and more.